Here we go. Welcome to Adventure Guys, the podcast for humans and dogs. I'm Eric the Human. I'm Nick the Human. And who's who's wait, who's that? Emerging whoa, from whoa. behind that door? Hello? Huh? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey yeah, come in. Come on, man. <laughs> Doors open. <laughs> oh hey. Hey there. I'm Sean the Human. Hey. Oh Sean, what's up, dude? It, it would actually make sense why you were in my house and behind that door. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. What's up? What's up, y'all? Sean, it's been so long since you've been on the podcast. I know. It's been too long. Happy to be back. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any, How are you guys doing? Any any big life events that you want to report to the um, listeners? Not much right now. Just finished the, the school year with my my music and drum teaching. Me and our other roommate, Corey, just taught a big marching band drum camp. Uh today and then I'm not going to have to do any other type of, you know, big marching band teaching after this for a long long time. Um that's that. Congrats. Thank you. And yeah. then I'm nursing a hand injury that totally blows, but also like doing Dang. that while I'm working all day. Pretty great. If I like was about to go into a big week of playing or recording or something, I would be a lot more bummed out, but right now just keeping the hands healthy. Yep. Keeping the hands healthy. Um have you you made some solo music that you just put out, right? I did make some solo music. I have been working on some solo piano music, some nice peaceful piano music that you can just put on and vibe and be really 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 mellow to. That stuff's fun. I got a couple songs up on the internet under my own name, Sean Harvey. Uh, kind of, kind of ambient adjacent. Would you say? I would say ambient adjacent. I would say <laughs> that if Brian Eno was told, "Hey, you have to record just with a piano, and you can't do any cool, fun tape stuff or put plate reverb all over everything or use synths, just one solo piano," I would hope that those piano songs would sound kind of like this. They feel nice. They feel fun. I'm really, I'm really uh, stoked about them. And then I also did like a lo-fi remix of one where I literally just like took the song, ran it through my cassette deck, and then like played drums over it. Yep. That was like fun. A, it's like a lo-fi hip-hop version. Yeah. What's that called? That's called Good Morning. But in the art- And the artist of that is From Tape. They're both called Good Morning, right? They're both called Good Morning. There's a there's a solo piano version that's under my solo that's under my personal name and then there's Good Morning. One word from Tape is the artist and that is the lo-fi version. And uh, yeah, go check them out. Check them out on Spotify. I bring it up because Eric, you know, solo projects are a topic of conversation on here uh, because Eric is working on his. Oh, there you go. What you got going on? Uh, I'm wrapping up a five song EP. Uh, It should be finished next week and I'm going to put it on my Patreon for all of my Patreon supporters. I don't know when an official release is going to happen yet. Hey, get on Uh, that Patreon, guys. Patreon.com slash Eric Dano. 
That's it. Patreon, let's yeah, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the audio on there like ASAP for for the patrons. Um, but I think I'm gonna like try and do a regular promotion cycle, which I've never actually done. <laughs> Ooh. Uh so normally I just like to put it on the internet as soon as like the masters are finished. It's like immediately get it out into the world and then, you know, inevitably like that's not a good method to put things out there so the world doesn't hear it. <laughs> it right. just sits yeah. on the internet. Uh, but I think I'm going to try and do some actual promotion and I still have to finish the cover art. So it'll probably be like a August release officially. Okay. But patrons will get it early. There get, you go. Get in there. It's fun being an Eric patron. You, you've been writing some nice updates for all of us. Yeah. You know what I realized? We talked about that Joyce Manor mm-hmm. album a little while ago and how it's not really my thing. Mm-hmm. I think a couple songs on this new EP are the most Joyce Manor-ish music I've ever written. <laughs> we didn't talk yeah. about it on air, but I, uh, Joyce Manor is extremely my thing. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh-huh. I was like, Eric, you've got to listen to this band because I think it could be your thing. Like it's close to your things and you didn't, it, it what didn't click for you the same way it does for me. Yeah. It's, it's just, I don't dislike it at all. It's just, it's not quite well, my thing. Actually, yeah, it made me, I, I'm going to make you play a theme song right now because it made me appreciate Jeff in a new context. Hey, Jeff Rince. Jeff Rince. Because now they're buddies, Joyce Manor and Jeff Rosenstock, and I was listening to the Joyce Manor records again. I'm like, it's so tight and concise, and these sh- songs are short and everything. But then I re-listened to No Dream after you said, I don't know, I don't get these so- these songs. And I and it made me really hone in more on the craft and the intricate arrangements that Jeff has been going on and the different production techniques and the use of dynamics and all these things, which Joyce Manor, they, they do some of that stuff, but it's a little bit more meat and potatoes straight ahead. Whereas like on No Dream, it's just like kind of a masterclass in punk rock and all different types of songs. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I was like, I bet Eric is responding more to a lot of these things in in Jeff's play. And like Joyce Manor doesn't have as much of that. It's, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, it's uh, it's just one step closer to the center yeah. than Jeff Rosenstock is. Yeah. And if I am going to move a step away from Jeff Rosenstock, I would probably move a step outwards. Right. Yeah. So makes sense, but I'm excited to hear any sort of Joyce Manor-ish songs that Eric Dano has to write. <laughs> That's a band. I mean, anyone else? If if you get sick of us talking about Jeff all the time, and you need something new because you've just exhausted the <laughs> discography because we talk about it so much, I still recommend Joyce Manor. I've listened to Never Get Never Hung Over Again over a hundred times, hundred fifty times. Easy. I literally can't. It's only eighteen minutes. I can't get sick of it. Um. Sean, did you listen to Ska Dream? Um, I listened to a little bit of it. I played some of it for yeah. him. Yeah, Nick, Nick played just a little bit of it for me. I was I was talking to one of my drummer friends this past weekend about how awesome the Ska drumming is on that album. Like Kevin Higuchi is such an amazing Ska drummer, and yeah. yet almost all of his like appearances in in bands are are more on the punk side of things. Mm-hmm. And Ska Dream is is like 
like a masterclass in different ska subgenres. And there's all these different varieties of ska and it's all just flawlessly executed. Like at the drop of the hat, he'll just like switch styles and the drums in particular are so freaking great on that album. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to go give it another listen before I could like more adequately talk about the drumming stuff. But like it is definitely a very under appreciated like niche in drumming is that like there are so many different ways to do ska there's so many different variations and like they each have their own little here's what makes them feel good here's what makes them sound good here's what makes them challenging and stuff you know and you can definitely dig into all of that for sure yeah he he really gets some room to flex and and cover all those bases on on that single album Mm -hmm. which is rad well you know what's interesting about to me this this problem has started to be changed in recent years, but I had a like a request or a sound in my head I wanted to hear all throughout college, which I started to get really into funk and some Latin music and reggae and ska. And I realized one of the reasons I liked ska so much is because rock, indie, anything under the rock umbrella typically doesn't groove or like for a long time like maybe i was just listening to the wrong kinds of rock in college but like you know indie rock du jour straight ahead rock punk rock of the late 2000s early 2010s a large part didn't groove and i was like why can't rock groove harder and i loved about ska is that they would like lay into grooves and it would make you want to dance and i and i loved that's why i loved um our expanded so much because i was like oh this is a rock band that actually finds a way to groove but rock hard at the same time and it's kind of i i welcome anyone to tell me i'm wrong at did you see the mail at gmail.com there definitely are rock <laughs> bands that groove but it's too rare for me yeah there's i think it's like that syncopation is such a central element of ska and reggae yeah that when, when you know when you would lock into something that's like in the pocket, like where it's just like a little bit behind the beat. It That's like a part of the genre, like a lot of rock and, and punk straight ahead punk. Even when the time is really good, yeah. it's never behind the beat. Yeah. Like there's never a pocket. Yeah. Like it's either just perfect or it's like rushing and it's supposed to rush. Cause it's like super fast and punk and sloppy or whatever, mm-hmm. but there's never like a, like a really settled in feeling to a lot of like, what? you know, tempo rock. Yeah. Punk you know, music. I, I guess this has to be out there. Now, this is where I need to go back to listening to more punk rock. But, like, I could imagine someone playing, like, you know, like the the no effects beat, like that kind of a thing. The, the D beat kind the of D thing. Beat, yeah. Yeah. You could kind of sit back on that and, like, pl- play it a little slow, right? And, like, make it groove. But I don't know if people really do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, all I was going to say is like in terms of all that, you know, I think, Nick, what you're talking about also is like the relationship of all of the like players in a band. You know what I mean? Like in like a punk band, especially like the drummer is just supposed to just like push forward like as fast as they can. You know what I mean? And then everyone else is just like along for the ride, you know, whereas like in other genres, that's like not the case. But for me, it's really just that a lot of those genres you were like, yeah, I'm really getting, I was getting into this in college and stuff like are all like dance forward genres, like music for the purpose of dancing and ska reggae, obviously coming from that is that it was like, well, all of this syncopation and the way the rhythm section 
comes together and coalesces is around this is a dance music. This is a music that's specifically made for dancing. You know what I mean? Totally. And, and then like, you know, like 50s rock and roll or whatever, like really long time ago stuff, probably at some point, you know, it's ser- it served a similar purpose, but like what we're thinking of in like that we all listen to in like the 2000s and everything is so far away from that and like in no way that's like the point of of the music and how it's like right. constructed except you know? for that i know that's the goal and purpose of it but it just feels good to listen to yeah and i i feel like i mean obviously i'm not gonna blow any minds here that funk and groove came back super hard in the mid 2010s and on like yeah. bruno mars hits with uptown funk and i was like oh finally like a pop funk song and it I was like, but it's too weird. It's not going to be big. And then now it's every wedding ever. And even you listen to like Dua Lipa's album and it's just Dude, all disco. Oh, that album is so freaking great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was a little bit late to that, but I I had to learn uh, levitating for the wedding band. Is that a great song? Uh, it's it. It's simple. The baseline is not difficult, but it's just so locked in that pocket. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I listened to it a couple. I was pretty late to it too. After being told it was great. And I listened to it while I was working out. I was like, some of the grooves on the album are so, so good. I mm-hmm. yeah. So it's cool yeah. that it's it's come back. Um, yeah. I've also wondered <clears throat> now music tastes aren't so uh, dictated by like critical trend, but I've often wondered. Stay with me. I have a theory that <clears throat> things like ska or maybe groove and dance into things for a long time maybe weren't hitting with like critics and i'm wondering if it's because critics are generally people who think about music a lot and have thought about it to such a degree that they want to write about it and make that their career and someone who's experienced music that deeply on an intellectual level might be experiencing it on a more individual level versus a social level and like ska is an incredibly social form of music like if i think for all of us if you were to listen to something like ska or funk or or dance music if you just listen to it theoretically in your house it might seem silly you know like to listen to Bootsy Collins or listen to a a ska punk band but then you go to the show and nothing could make more sense it's like why aren't all shows this fun yeah right like you could listen to like post rock like just on on your headphones by yourself and that's totally fine but like it's a little bit weird if you're just like sitting there with no expectations like to go see a ska show and you just listen to ska by yourself and you've never been to a ska show you weren't the right how did you get into the music if if not for like through social interaction you know yeah well i was also going to say though that also gets to like how i am interfacing with music more and more and more these days is you know i am always kind of like what is the music for the moment that i am in right now you know or like what am i doing around the house i'm just like mellow and like stretching or meditating or something like i'm obviously going to put on like brian eno or whatever you know i'm trying to like pump myself up to like do some chore but like i need to like get energy or whatever like i will start listening to funk and nick could attest to this always just as a means for like, all right, I got to like get some energy going and like whatever, you know what I mean? But it's also why sometimes I don't understand how like EDM ever got so big. When I say so big, I mean on the level of like people 
around their houses as they're just like walking <laughs> through the day and standing in line at a Starbucks. It's like, why is... <laughs> it's like, dude, that music is baller in a club. It's going to make the most fire club setting, wedding, whatever. It belongs in a dance hall and we all need to dance to it. But I completely don't understand and don't connect with the concept at all of like... I'm listening to like really aggressive dance music as I'm just like, you know, walking around my house and like, you know, all of that stuff, you know. Right. Um I think I think what might have happened was uh when EDM like exploded like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh right with like bro dubstep. Yeah. It was just such a such a novel thing like to to the mainstream. Yeah. That it it found an entry point and it has just kind of stuck there. And so people are kind of just like, like in, in the habit of like EDM being a, like a mainstay. Now EDM got in the door 10 years ago and it just ha- has managed to like take hold. Take, it's not letting keep go. A, keep so. a seat there. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like a very weird table. cultural moment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, right around like the end of like when we were in college, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know. Just, EDM has uh, the term EDM wasn't even like really coined until like the late aughts, I think. Right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's, I think that's, there was like a huge cultural, cultural shift that was maybe beyond like our personal music spheres. Yeah. Um, but it was just like unavoidably mainstream. Yeah. yeah. When I, when I first started at Atlantic in 2012, I was working with their dance sub, um, like imprint called Big Beat Records. And they were, you know, I was young and they needed team members. And the GM of the label, her name is Liz Miller, super cool, like one of the coolest people. And my, f- and she, a lot of my friends were into the dance music. So she was like, Nick, like you should get into this. And like, this could be a good career path for you, like working with dance music. So I was like, okay. And she's like, here, I got us all passes and invited me, like really inclusive and nice to come to. Um, Electric Zoo, which is on Randall's Island in New York City, and it's <laughs> yeah. like a hundred thousand people just listening to EDM all day. Skrillex headlined in a spaceship. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the coolest things I saw was the, one of the groups that really intrigued me though when I saw that was um, they're called Dada Life, and they're still around. But like you know Dada, like the yeah. art movement. Yep. So it was just two bald guys, bald as fuck. And they must have been like 40 <laughs> and on stage, or I don't know, they could have been their late theaters. And behind them, they just had like a bunch of bananas just going to the beat and <laughs> like all this stuff. And I was like, this is really interesting. I'm like, it. this is sort of Dada. I'm like looking at the, can you look at the lens of this whole EDM thing through the lens of like the Dada art movement? It, it, I was like, wow, that's a really interesting way to, to look at all this. Um, but it was it was it was insane, and I mean they don't. It's still around, but at that time I was like, wow, this really could become the new pop music. It never really got there. It kind of just meshed with pop, in in a certain way. Yeah, it didn't yeah. like take over, but definitely it was like an interesting cultural moment that I was fortunate enough to to look at. Obviously, I didn't go all in on the EDM thing. I uh, <clears throat> on like a production and engineering side of things, though, I feel like it really really shifted the 
recorded sound of music way in an electrified direction like for sure that we're still there right now you know yeah yeah i think so i think also that just hip-hop becoming like the dominant thing and edm and just i think i don't know people are looking to try to just push forward in a new direction yeah one of the songs on uh my new ep that i'm working on i i've got pretty close to a final mix today um it's definitely the most edm influenced thing that i've (laughs) done i i wrote it with the intent of it being a pop song and then i didn't really do a whole lot of pre-production for this i kind of just started tracking and then i was like changing a lot of things as i was as i was moving along and i realized like "Eh, i don't think this is going to be that much of a pop song it can be a little bit more chill, I guess, and then you know it's gonna have guitars, like mm-hmm. it's gonna be yeah. distortion guitars. Like this is there's gonna be punk parts, and then I I wrapped a lot of the like rhythm section tracking, and then I was like, you know, I wrote this as a pop song, and then I started adding in all this other shit, and now it's like in this uncomfortable space between like pop EDM plus punk, and it's. Sounds I don't know cool. if it. I don't know if it's good. It's an experiment for me. <laughs> it sounds cool. I like that the Holophonics obviously have the thing that you guys do so well, but I like the idea that the Eric Dano solo projects can just venture off into new uncharted territory. That's ex- yeah. yeah. That excites me. Nick and I have I, talked I, about. I, that I also a don't lot. get a huge listener base on this stuff, so I can kind of just experiment and throw some random shit out there and see what gets a response if anything does (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. nick and i talk about this a lot though is like as we're creating different music and different kinds of music and stuff like that like you know like oh man i wonder you know if i'm gonna like allow all of this weird different music to just like kind of like live in one place on the internet and like you know whatever like i kind of like the concept of you know my all of my different experiments just kind of like living under my own name or whatever. Nick's kind of talked about some of that too, as you're like considering writing and creating some stuff. Yeah. Well, once you start writing and you've established something of a sound or you're good at, it's hard for it to not come and affect your choices as you're producing the music. But if you are able to take off whatever expectations or thoughts you have, like, like Eric, you're like, I need, electric guitar distorted guitar part but if you were creating under a different pseudonym would it be different or what if you just created without the thought of where it's going to go and then you're going to figure it out later but then does it sound enough like me to put it out under my name it's like those are interesting questions to ask yourself as you're going along in the process mm-hmm. yeah i uh scenario as i'm working on the five different songs in this ep i'm like i'm wondering if like this one is too different from that one. And that one doesn't like vibe with this one. It's hard, like bouncing back and forth between the project files. I think once I get all the mixes done, then I'm going to go to mastering and I'm going to like either realize it's fine or realize that I have to go back and do (laughs) make some changes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love it. I've pretty much finished. I told you, Eric, I was making all these experiments in logic and I have like 15 ish of these just like one to two or 30 second to two minute instrumental things and some of them are hip-hop some of them are rock or just solo acoustic guitar 
Um, and I've wondered, I'm like, is, can I put that all out in just like a weird mixtape? Is that under my name? But then if I put out a pop punk EP under my name, can I do that too? Can you have all these things under one name or do you need different names for them? It's hard to tell, but I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm going to have to think on it, but I'm excited to hear, to hear this song now. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Yeah. My ultimate plan is to press vinyl with um, one side being the EP I released a year and a half ago and the other side being this new EP. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Cause they were supposed to be sort of thematically linked and, they kind of are, but <laughs> a lot has changed since I released that other one. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Cool. Should we talk about the episode of Adventure Time? Is that what we're Would here you, for? Ostensibly we can try. was the goal of this <laughs> okay. discussion. We can try. Episode discussion. Now. I got to become clean right now uh, before we start. Okay, so Eric, I was a little late, which you, you you chuckled because I tend to be late for these things. You're only late when you ask me if we can start early. Yeah, and then I... <laughs> oh, that's worse. I know. <laughs> hey, by the way, can we change our plans so that we do this earlier? Then I always check, like, hey, are you ready to go? I was like, no, I'm going to need 15 minutes. <laughs> I know. Well, wow. I had to make an unexpected phone call, which pushed back the start time of watching the episode, which pushed back me going to pick up my poke order. Uh, you shouldn't watch the episode so recently before doing this podcast. I know, but I that's you why I can, let it. You should let it marinate for like a couple of days and like either forget the uninteresting things or pontificate more on the interesting things. And that would maybe take me out of going through it painstakingly, point by point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's a good it's a good point so well, this will be a bit of an experiment because my fr- i was on the phone with my friend while we watched like over half the episode and then I, I caught the last bunch of it sean was paying attention i was so, yeah so i can't take us through point by point but i but there were but i know the gist of it and i got some good stuff mm-hmm. yep i mean jake's blue i know that much he's got five <laughs> eyes <laughs> Wings. Yeah, Jake is blue. Yeah, we watched uh, season nine, episode ten, abstract. Jake is blue for some reason. I don't know why. I don't remember how it happens. Sean. So I all I think I remember is that either in the episode prior to this or the episode before that, it happens is that Jake is blue, and I believe yeah. that what happens is similar to the beginning of this episode where. We see Finn, and then we hear Jake be like, yo, can you pass the salt? And then, like, Finn passes the salt, and then we see a blue Jake. I think that, like, an episode prior or two, it's the exact same thing, maybe. Maybe, but it's been a while. But it's the same thing, but we are not expecting to see Jake be blue and whatever. So, like, a co- in the past, there was, like, a big reveal that he just, like, woke up one day like this, and it's like, ah. I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong on that. Yeah. But. So I know this is the first episode after the Elements miniseries. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that that ends with LSP sort of resetting the molecular structure of everything in Oom. Oh, there it is. So I, I, I guess that's how Jake turned blue. Yeah, I th- that, that makes sense. But I, I mean, does it make sense though? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. Well... 
it does based on everything else that's going on it does make sense um is that for sure yeah lsp must do that and then that would if you know everything else that happens after this episode it makes sense i guess that jake is blue i'm gonna go against that being the case for him being blue okay because this episode posits that Jake's emotions and how he was dealing with them was what was causing him to be blue. Mm. Right? That's well, kinda... in a vacuum, yeah. I mean, all of this could easily be figured out if we just watched the episode before, but... We don't do that that's here. That's not what we do here. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so this episode, so this is how I read it, though. Jake is blue, as BMO calls him. Jake is a crab, because <laughs> he has five eyes and all sorts of stuff he's working through it Finn's weird about it and he has a dream after going out for drinks with Lady Rainicorn and he has a dream that he's in a maze lots of places to go he's trying to figure out where to go doesn't know then doesn't he wake up out of that maze dream and he's at the top of a mountain with Jermaine and Jermaine is painting that's all still in the dream yeah. but yes yeah. yeah, I think at some point in the series we find out dream. that Jake and Jermaine can dream together or something. Ah. Yeah. So, it, or I guess in one of these dreams he finds Jermaine and Jermaine's painting and then also in the dream is the blue alien character that, and it's the alien that kind of imparted the powers to Jake, right, Eric? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that Jake is starting to really come to terms with hold on a second, I'm a magic dog. Nobody else in my family is magic. Why do I have these powers? Like, I'm different. There's a different part of me, like, of where I come from and my DNA and my origin is different. And it's for the longest time he was ignoring it and now it's sort of like he has to come to terms with it. Yeah, it's just, it's never been acknowledged why Mm -hmm. Jake is like that and every time the show sort of comes close to illuminating some of the backstory like we never actually find out why or how and all the characters seem to just accept it they don't really question why jake is so stretchy and and can do the, these weird yeah. things I, I well we we we, I, we know why because we saw it but his parents have never explained it to him well we saw yeah in joshua and margaret investigations yeah. we see how jake is born from like his dad being bit by that alien guy yeah. but it, it it's still it's too random to like be an actual explanation and you know we don't really get the full story until i, just, it's like I the took third that to last as episode i took that as as much of an explanation as we're gonna get like he's he was bit by this wild alien and he got some of the powers yeah so yeah, he's I mean, part alien a, yeah there is a a full like backstory to how that all happens and it's mm-hmm. it's in jake the star child which is at the very end of the series mm. um, it's not the very end of, is that the end of this season isn't that like the culmination of this season i think it's the end of season nine ten, ten. the last i think it's the last thing that happens before the uh like the ramp up to the final to the fi- battle gotcha okay yeah yep. i think it's the last like standalone episode before they get into like the actual arc of the series finale Mm, yeah that makes sense okay but also like talking about how he is accepting uh i mean sorry talking about how all the characters in ooh are accepting 
you know, of the fact that he's just stretchy. I mean, that's kind of a, a whole characteristic of U in general. It's like everyone just is kind of accepting of the fact that each other is totally different and doesn't look like each other and acts different from each other and whatever, you know, it's just like a part of, it's just like a part of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, th- but there are more satisfying explanations for almost every other character or every other kind of character in, in Land of Vu. Yeah. And I th- I think the show just sort of puts off giving that satisfaction about Jake's backstory. And as an audience member, we just sort of forget about it. Like we, you know, we don't really question it that much. I, I think when I was watching the show for the first time, like in the beginning of like season one and like early season, I'm like how the hell is this dog doing this? Like, what is this character? There's no one else like this. And then you start seeing Joshua and Margaret and flashbacks and stuff and they can't do that. So what is going on here? And then it just goes so long without really acknowledging it that you just kind of forget about it being an issue at all. Yeah, you just accept it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But it, it, I mean, it's working in the background and it turns out to be like a really central plot line to Jake's character that they just, you know, put off the resolution for. Yeah. It is really nice, as Nick was talking about, though, getting back to like the specific of this episode, um, we do get a little bit of like, short-term emotional satisfaction in this out of that whole thing where you know he's at Jermaine's and he has the whole moment with the um the paintings talking about change and how changing is his whole state yeah yeah so so he's a little bit perplexed as to why Jermaine is now printing or painting these abstract paintings why this episode's called abstract and not the landscapes anymore and he's sort of like, what's changed you, man? Like, this isn't what you are. Who's making you change and start painting these blobs instead of the natural landscape? And he's like, no one's making me change, man. Like, I, I think you, did he say I've changed? Like, or I haven't changed. Maybe you have or something. And he, he basically just starts saying, like, I was drawing the landscapes. And the more I was going, the, the landscapes turned into looser shapes and colors. And eventually they just turn into what you see before you and it's it doesn't take away from the paintings that I painted before like this is just what I'm painting now and it's like oh it's a good metaphor for life and Jake really uh, takes it as such yeah yeah I don't know why Jake finding that kind of acceptance allows him to turn into his regular form again yeah that's interesting and unanswered (laughs) sure well I think it's like when you're, you know, when you're dealing with some like an uncomfortable thought, or a trauma, or a past, or something, and it just takes over all your mental space, like you're, you don't want to think about it anymore, but yet it's all you can think about, and it's kind of always there. You go out to dinner, or you're at work, and that thing just keeps bugging you, so it's kind of just with you all the time. And if you're wrestling with who you are and where you come from, it's sort of an ever-present thing. So for Jake to maybe get that kind of self-acceptance that, yes, it's different. Yes, it's weird, but this is part of life. Then he he could settle down and be like, okay, I'll I'll deal with this, but it doesn't have to change who I am, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, 
the whole the whole moral of this episode it seemed like it should have made sense and yet i i kind of can't quite pin down specifically what it all is about you know what i mean like it seems like this arc is being set up to be like very cartoon kind of trope uh like learning to accept yourself kind of thing and be comfortable with things changing and moving on but i'm not quite sure it ever like really like specifically nails that like in a clear way or at least i didn't have a takeaway that was that clear well well, it seems like it's setting it up that way yeah well what i was gonna say is that this episode more than a lot of others feels like it's constructed in a way where the basically you know, there's what's going on on the screen and, you know, there's this whole moral and then he changes back to yellow and whatever. But, like, it almost feels like it's just intended that we as the viewer are going to be like, okay, cool moral, guys, but we're not going to know why Jake was blue. You know what I mean? Like, there's, like, a frustration. At least for me, I was just, like, there's a frustration there. I'm like, okay, yeah, but, like, all right, well, now there's a question mark. To me, I, I I wasn't left with the. To me, it all. I guess I just said it, but I was also half watching, so maybe my thing's different. But he's blue because that was how he saw himself. Like, remember there was that other episode. Um, was it Jake or Finn, or was it another thing that sees itself in a mirror and then it's it's like he oh he's like I'm a monster. He thinks he's a monster. Do you know that episode I'm talking about? And he keeps morphing into like this crazy thing because he thinks everyone sees him like a monster. I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the ep though. Oh. Specifically. Yeah, I think it was just like Jake can trans obviously transform himself into anything. So maybe it was just, I think it's because of his emotional state and how he was dealing with this, uncovering this and really hard to process part of his past. It was like manifesting itself in this magical way. And he's like, I am an alien. He's like, holy shit. Like, this is who I am. I'm, I'm alien. Like, and then, so then he's just manifesting where he's like turning into an alien basically. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know he's an alien yet. Right. But it's in there. Like, it seems that in his subconscious, he, he, he knows or suspects. Cause like literally in his dream, he's seeing that alien. So I know he doesn't know. But it's sort of like he knows or he suspects. Yeah. I there's there's too much intertwined into the other episodes of this plot line. Okay. That I I really don't remember how to contextualize like hardly anything in this episode. We can <laughs> let her we can let it ride. <laughs> yeah, that's it was why also I was... like, man, I was a little bit loopy today while watching this episode. <laughs> oh, you've had a crazy day, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all did. We've all been grinding out work and then came in for some for an Adventure Time episode literally called Abstract. And now it's like, well, <laughs> right. Yeah. Here we this are. episode was kind of trippy. It was it it relied on the dream sequence kind of thing pretty yeah. heavily. Yeah. And on, honestly, like I've never been like the hugest fan of the dream sequence thing in shows. Mm-hmm. You know, where you can't tell like what's real, what's not real, like what's transcending the dream plane into reality you know uh but i feel like it's it's just such a common thing in animation because it allows you to 
depict such really out there visuals that you wouldn't have been able to do. Uh, so, I mean, you know, mad props to the storyboarders and animators on this episode because there were some really out there things. Yeah, yeah for sure. Just on a visual level, uh, which mm. is, you know, why I like things like Midnight Gospel also because, like, everything, every episode is just brand new, like something you've yeah. never seen before. And, the you know, the animated dream sequence provides an opportunity for that. But yeah, of course. As a as a narrative device, I'm always a little bit impatient with it. Well, it's something that maybe it's so ubiquitous in storytelling, you know, but you know, it's always used as a device of like what's going on in the character's subconscious. The character is battling something in their subconscious. The character has discovered and come to terms with something in their subconscious. You know, it's like it's like that is always the exact sequence when that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a it's a hard yeah. to deal with thing. And I think it's a part of life that you're going about your life, things are happening to you, but you can be experiencing something else on a, on a beneath the surface, you know? Like it's there, it's happening, it's simmering, but it's quiet right now. It's like a simmering tea that's like quiet and then later it's going to get big and when you go to sleep, it's like there. So it's, but it's, it's hard. It seems like the best way to do it, but yeah, you're probably just burned down at it because it's so ubiquitous. I love dreams and subconscious and uh, thinking about all that stuff. That's why we love David Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> but for sure. it's, it can become greeting in a lot. Not for I was thinking long. about watching Twin Peaks. Oh Whoa. yeah. <clears throat> I, I told you I watched the first season like years ago. Years. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I don't know why. The first season cliffhanger is the moment that I decided not to return to the show. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think I was watching it at a weird time. I think it was uh, like towards the end of 2016 when I was on tour for a million years. Yeah, not the right uh, time, maybe. But I just watched um, Mayor of Easttown on HBO. Heard good things. Okay. Uh, yeah, small town murder mystery. Heard it from cool. good things from a lot of people. Yeah, it's uh, it's not at all supernatural or weird or anything like that. Um, it's just you know, reality based small town murder mystery. Very good for what it is, but it made me interested in revisiting something with a little bit more, you know, something a little yeah weird. more extra extra yeah like, that's what you extra get, reality. Yeah. So you get from Twin Peaks. I don't know. I think Twin Peaks. I mean, you're talking to two guys who are going to say something like this, but I think it's aging incredibly well. Yeah, when I would I, say so. When I watch, when we've we just rewatched it again uh, during the pandemic, a couple of months ago, we were supposed to watch the return together. Sean sped up uh, and flew away. Um, and we, we we watched the first ten episodes together, and then Sean was like, "I'm done with this like one episode a week thing. I'm, I've got to finish this now." Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. And so he just like grinded through them. And I'd been happen. saving the rewatch of that third episode, that's third season for a very special time, and that's gone now. But well, you can still watch it. Yeah, guess. It, <laughs> but the thing with it is that it's still just like super odd and peculiar and specific. And when it when it's sort of timeless in the way that it's set and the way that it's 
dealt with. And the, and the further we go on, the further we are from when it's really set, which is like in 1990 or whatever. But it it just makes it even more sort of floaty and weird and, and a nice place to live. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. It, I guess like the setting is sort of removed. You know, I mean, the small town kind of vibe is obviously removed from like society at large kind of thing. And it, it sort of... Uh, sets up your expectations to be like we're we're leaving you know we're we're going somewhere that's like beyond it's different it's, it's different yeah to, it's a little, little bit farther away it's a little farther away yeah life's a little different in this town <laughs> yeah well you got to keep us posted when you watch it and, and how it's going like we did oh, with steven yeah. universe yes indeed yeah i'm gonna need every update on your twin peaks experience yeah, maybe I'll start it tonight. I don't know. Uh, I heard it's it's leaving Netflix soon. It is. End of June. Very oh. sad. Is it going to go to Disney Plus or something? It's going to... Is it going to Paramount Plus? Oh, maybe. Maybe? Oh, yeah. Where Where is the uh, the, the new season streaming? Showtime. Is, is, is it on like a service though? Like No, Showtime has their own service. Yeah, so you have to pay a monthly for Showtime. Um, I think there's a free okay. trial. <laughs> it's worth... It's worth... The, the 20 bucks, or it's worth the 60 bucks you'll pay because you'll sign up and pay for the month and then forget to cancel it for two months. No, I don't forget to cancel oh, okay. it. Okay. <laughs> I am on top of my streaming service rotation. Yeah. All right. Yeah, nice. You got to, but then also there's Fire Walk With Me, which is the movie that was after season two. You'll have to, yes. yeah, you'll just have to, you know, buy that Essential. for a couple bucks. Essential. And it's not streaming anywhere. The movie. Yeah. And then there's like a YouTube compilation of all the dvd extras to firewalk with me which all actually have integral plot points that were referenced in the return but like were never made public because they were all just cut from uh from the movie david lynch like says all the time he's like there's just always is more to the story of twin peaks and there's stuff that's just a part of it that would give you more context, but it's just like we just we you know there's not enough time in the show. Yeah, so. it's really interesting. It's not like we cut this out because it didn't make it better. It was like no, no, this would work, but we just had to cut it out. But it doesn't make it not a part of the universe. Yeah, it's literally release, just release it, the Snyder cut of Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's like it happened, and it's but you just didn't see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's called the missing pieces, and it came out later, and it's like. 50 minutes of stuff cut out of the movie. And oh, it's man. like and it's like this is canon. You and, just haven't seen it. <laughs> and on on YouTube there's an awesome YouTube clip of him giving a 45 second speech introducing the premiere for the first time of people watching the missing pieces. It's a, a very wonderful uh 45 second speech oh, that's completely nonsensical. It's, it's incredible. Great. And yeah. the good thing you get about missing pieces is that David Bowie acts in Firewalk with me, but you only get a little bit, so you get some extra David Bowie in the missing, including a truly outrageous, fucked up scene that he gets to act his <laughs> ass off in. Oh yeah, it's great. Anyway, yeah, we we highly encourage you, Eric, to listen to that, and anybody listening to this. It's the great show. Oh yeah. All right. All right. Should we keep moving? Should we see if we saw the snail? Anybody? Did you see the snail? Did you see the snail? Did you see it? 
Sean, did you see nope. the snail? Nope. Nope. I'm sorry. I failed. Nick, did you see the snail? Nope, I didn't. Eric, did you see the snail? Yep, I saw the snail. Whoa! Wow! I saw the snail. Cool. <laughs> saw the snail. I saw the snail. I uh, I was like, oh, Sean's coming on. I better step up my game. Like, oh. I gotta look for this fucking snail. I have a reputation. That's awesome, and I failed myself. <laughs> Go me. Uh, yeah, the snail was in the first shot of the dream sequence. Oh wow! Oh, that makes sense. Missed it. They really like to place the snail in a complete scene change. The first shot of a complete. Oh, we've never seen this set before. That very first shot when the the viewer is thrown off and the viewer is trying to just get to know this like new setting we're in. You're always gonna see the snail like right there in yep. that moment. Yep. I Dang. got him. You got him. You have a song? a song. Is there an Eric song? One second, one second, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Nice. Nick, it's been a while since you saw the snail. I I saw it last week. I saw it last week. Well, I guess since you saw the snail like solo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, We've only ever played your congratulations song a couple times. Yeah, mine's gotten more airtime. (laughs) I got to find this sucker next time. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta hear, I gotta hear the song where Nick sees the snail. I don't know if I've even heard it. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what episodes it happened on. Me neither. If, no, we're not tracking it. If you any of our listeners a, are keeping score, someone's gotta be keeping score, right? Send us an email at didyouseethemail at gmail dot com. We to need tell a us podcast what episodes historian. Nick saw the snail and was the only one. Tell us. Podcast historian, show yourself. Cool. Well, how about a little miscellany mania? I have one that felt fun. Um, for me, you know, we keep talking whenever I'm on about my experience with Steven Universe and Nick's experience with Steven Universe watching that. And it jumped out to me right away in my first post Steven Universe episode with y'all uh, that Jermaine is voiced by the same actor who does Mr. Universe. Yeah. Jumped out. What is that actor's name? Tom Sharpling. All righty. Tom Sharpling. That jumped out at me right away. Yeah, we, we talked about him uh, a little bit on our ep- last week because Jermaine makes an appearance in Together Again. Ah, cool. Now, now I have some lore to add on to that, which is that when he goes to see Jermaine for the last scene, he's stopped by that guy who's working in Jermaine's office. Remember that? Oh, Bryce? Bryce. Now, Bryce was voiced, I believe, by John Worcester, right? Can you corroborate that? I, it sounded exactly like him. I should have looked this up. Um, but John Worcester 
Eric, you're yes, gonna, yeah, you're gonna remember him because he also voices the manager of Greg Universe's band who who like drove off with the van but then comes oh back. sour cream's dad yeah sour cream's dad <laughs> he voices sour cream's dad now the reason they do that is that they're actually like a comedy team together and they have this show called the best show which was like a long running oh, show yeah. on WFMU in Jersey City and like kind of a preeminent early podcast that people loved and John Worcester is like this old like long running drummer who's played with super chunk and the mountain goats and the new pornographers and Bob mold and all these people. And I mean, he's also been the in-house drummer at late night with Seth Meyers for a long time. Like, cause Fred Armisen's not usually there. And I think he, oh, yeah, I okay. think he's like one of the main sit in step ins. It's funny. Cause that band now is John Worcester, um, Lesavi Fa guys. And then Marnie Stern plays guitar like math rock guitar hero. That's um, awesome. Uh, and yeah, so, so, so it's funny now that they do. Th- so he started coming on the Tom Sharpling show, but it's funny. It's the best show. And then Steven universe. And now they're here again together. It's kind of like a little Easter egg. He's got a funny That's voice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what the character of Bryce does or how he gets introduced. Yeah. But there is some earlier appearance from this Bryce guy. I know. Gotcha. Jake does not seem to entertain with Bryce. Yeah. The wiki is telling me that he is a demon. Oh, okay. Ooh. Well, that's bad. <laughs> not ideal. I also loved, well, this is some episode discussion, but the wall of water. Oh yeah. We didn't talk about the wall of water. That was great. Who was voiced by, who voiced the wall of water? Oh, I keyed into it. Like this is a voice, but then I, didn't see who it was. Oh, it's the same guy, John Worcester. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's interesting. That's that's a very yeah. interesting choice. Yeah, it's just, it's funny because it's to be like a lifelong rock drummer, um, and then you're just showing up in all these cartoons with like this incredible voice acting voice. <laughs> yeah, he's really funny on on stuff. He also like wrote for MTV, I think, and. I listened to a podcast. There's this podcast I really like. Eric, have you ever checked this out called Turned Out of Punk? Have no. we talked about that? It's by um, I don't think so. The singer of the band Fucked Up, and he had started a podcast oh. called Turned Out of Punk, and it's for people that may or may not be associated with punk or doing things in punk now, but nevertheless had their lives changed by the genre. I think that's the tagline of the show, something like that. So he talks to all these people. Sometimes it's John Worcester who like grew up like going to see the Ramones and like booked the first dead Buckman show and all these things and went on other times. There's people, um, he had a great one with Bill Hader recently who Bill Hader loved punk growing up, which I was delighted to hear. And Chris (laughs) Gethard, who's like, went to all these like like hardcore shows as a kid and yeah, it's obviously it, Chris Gethard. It's just like all across the the board. It's it's pretty fun. Um you should check it out. I remember that band fucked up when they put out what was that album that was like super progressive and or whatever it was like it in Damien, 2011. Damien Comes to Life. What's it called? Yeah. I remember listening to it and like not thinking it was that cool. <laughs> I'm wondering, I, I did too at the time, but also our tastes have changed and come up. Um, so, oh, David Comes Alive, I think is what it's called. I, 
I think that we might like it now. I gotta take a listen. Yeah, to maybe that. I'll. David comes alive. Yeah, David maybe I'll go check it out again. I remember just reading the reviews and being like, "This is the most progressive thing punk has ever done." Yeah, people. And then I and then I listened to it. And I was like, "This is kind of straight ahead." It's just long. <laughs> it's just long. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to listen to it because I mean it's a um, it's like a four act thing. I guess it's a, kind of like a story and an opera. I'd like to listen to it with fresh ears. I mean, people said the same thing, honestly, about Titus Andronicus. Did you ever listen to that band? No. Yeah, it's kind of like a punk thing, and and but mixed with some Americana stuff. They they have some really fucking alive sounding recordings that are a blast to listen to. But they had a record where everyone too was like, "This is the coolest thing." And it was funny because I was at a time when like indie rock and punk just were two separate worlds. Um. And I remember, oh, the monitor is what it was called. I remember people being like, like Jeff Rosenstock being like, I couldn't play a show with Titus Andronicus, even though we sound really similar. Like Titus Andronicus is like an indie band and I'm this like DIY punk thing. And it's funny how just like all those lines <laughs> of pretension ha- have been exposed to be as silly as they always were. But yeah, but it was funny. Like Titus Andronicus and Fucked Up were like the the punk bands that like indie rockers and like serious rock fans liked. Um which is funny. I, I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. But dude, the podcast is is totally a blast. They interviewed uh, the one with Cedric. Um, Bixler Zavala is is like an all-timer. You got to listen to it. Um, that's some good shit. Okay, right on. <clears throat> I'm uh, Yeah, I'm stocking up on podcasts right now because I'm about to do the New York to Texas drive like Ooh. probably there and back once a month. Wow. For, wow. The, for like the next few months. <laughs> for a while. Cool, man. So that's like cool. 48 hours of of drive time. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe we'll see every you. Every month. Do you ever yeah, play the game? Um, Do you ever play the game Don't Stop in Arkansas? Where you try really hard to... Uh, this is a Kraken Quartet tradition, right? Yeah. You, you, you try and stop at the last gas station in Tennessee. And then... Um, like and in Memphis, make it to Texarkana. It, yeah, and see if you can make it to Texarkana so that you don't have to stop in Arkansas. Just get through <laughs> as fast as possible. Yeah, Sean told me it's the worst state, and then it kind of is. We, we went through I it. Mean, it's not the worst state, but it's on the it's on the short list. It's also definitely unequivocally the worst state on the New York to Texas drive. Yeah, I mean, you get Tennessee, you get Appalachia. You get all the that. cops in Tennessee are way worse. Oh than yeah, in Arkansas, though. that's true. That's but very it's a beautiful true. drive through Tennessee. Yeah, at least. but you get like eastern Tennessee mountains and trees, and then you get to like, if you're doing Nashville, that's cool. Memphis yeah. has that dumb Bass Pro Shop. That's a pyramid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right next to the Mississippi River. Yeah, what is yeah. that about? I don't know. I don't know. Arkansas can't even afford like regular asphalt for the highway. <laughs> no, they, dude. You just get into. Wow. To Arkansas and just the roads are worse. Yeah, we did that, and all of a sudden it was really funny. Sean's like, God, "Fuck, we gotta go through Arkansas." And I was like, "Dude, it can't. Be, we're just on the highway. It can't be that bad." And we went, and literally the Tennessee highway is lined with trees. There's the mountain, and the, and it's like this beautiful black pavement. And then all of a sudden we get through. The trees are all gone. It's just wasteland, terrible asphalt. I was like, "What is going on? Like, why is it so bad here?" And we stopped off at a Chipotle, and I had the worst meal of my entire life. 
Oh, yeah, that was a legendary bad Chipotle moment for Nick. I know, and I've battled them for years because I really don't like, never had a good customer service experience. Not never, but like I've had a lot of failings there. If you don't stop in Arkansas, that's like, that might be like, what, like six hours? Like, that's like a pushing like a full tank of gas. I think what we always end up doing is like we stop in Little Rock. Or we get really close to Texarkana, and then we're like, God damn it, we have to stop. Ah. And then, you know, I mean, we could never make it when we were touring in the SUV with a trailer. It was just like so bad on gas mileage that we couldn't do it, you know? But like back in the days when we would like tour in like two two SUVs, it was potentially possible. Yeah. Yeah, Arkansas is kind of a shitty state i've i've performed in arkansas with like college groups but i've never played like a show with my band or anything in arkansas i don't know if little rock i've never booked i know they've got colleges there but it doesn't seem like it's a thriving college culture (laughs) (laughs) well i'd say this this is totally conjecture by the way i've got i got two things though that i want to add though on the positive side is that i've really heard that the parts of Arkansas that aren't on that interstate. What interstate is that? Is that 30? Yeah. I think. Or something like that. Yeah, it's 30. Parts of Arkansas that are not on that highway, I've heard are beautiful. I've especially heard that like a lot of the parks in like northern Arkansas and stuff like that are like really incredible. Also Did you see that that thing about uh northwestern Arkansas is offering ten thousand dollars for people to move there? No, that's pretty wild. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah. you should just do it. They have a they have a website. I actually signed up to apply. How long do you have but, to live there for to get the ten thousand dollars? A year. Okay. Okay. They really um, want you to like set Eric, up Eric, shop. Now, and, Eric, like, could you have some cheap place of residence that you stay only sometimes, and uh, and then you stop off on your drive from New York to Texas? That's a hundred percent what I would do. Okay, <laughs> you know our da- uh, our dad looked into this for uh like when he when our parents were like, well maybe we're gonna live in Florida or live in New Jersey or whatever. They figured out that like the tax rule, it's like residency is technically just your first day over fifty percent of your time. You know, it's like you got to be there a little over half the time. Yeah, you know. Well. Who's who's gonna come and check up on me in northwestern Arkansas? In, I don't know. In your do you shack. know what the state? Do you know what the state drink is? No, what? Milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wow, that's some bad miscellaneous mania. Yeah, I, 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 I do. I do have to actually a really wild thing. You know, Kraken does like this state fun fact thing when we're on tour. I do have to um, let Arkansas off the hook there. That um, Big Milk and Got Milk and all of those people made a push a long, long time ago to have there be a state drink in every state. And about 50% of the states, the state drink is milk. And it was all a ploy to, to uh, sell more milk by the same people that came up with Got Milk. So there uh, you go. Yeah, terrible fun fact. Well, fucking Big Milk. The other positive well, they, thing about- They got Arkansas. They duped them. They <laughs> did. They did. I was going to say, though, Ar- Arkansas is home to, I think, some of the best coffee beans in the country. There's oh, a roaster called that, Onyx. Listen, Onyx Coffee. Sense. Onyx Coffee is it's truly spectacular beans. It's unbelievable. 
and but they have like this massive online presence where people are like people are literally ordering their beans from all over the country so good well i know arkansas just did a bunch of transphobic bullshit i think they i think if i'm remembering this correctly the state legislature passed some shitty bill and the governor actually vetoed it. Uh, but then it went back and the legislature overrode the veto. Oh, no. Yeah, there was some state that just oh, had that happen. Ew. Yeah. I want to get off Whatever. this topic. Can we, Arkansas. Can we, let's hey, if you're from Arkansas and you have anything you want to weigh in on... <laughs> Send us an email at did you see the mail at gmail.com. Or write it in your iTunes review. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that might not go well for us. <laughs> yeah. If you're Please. from any of the surrounding states of Arkansas and you want to pile on and shit on Arkansas with us, just leave us a five star review. Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, like people in Texas dislike Oklahoma. I don't think they even really give a shit about Arkansas. Right. It's, it's like, not worth no, it. even bother. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the no, it's like the Donald Draper meme where he's in uh the uh elevator. the elevator with Campbell and he's like It's not Campbell. It's not? No. Okay. I don't know who it is, but someone's like, I despise you and then Don Draper's like, I don't even think about you. I don't think about you. <laughs> I don't at think all. Texas thinks about Arkansas at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was great. Did Arkansas. you see you're a Mad Men fan, right? Eric? I watched the show it, so it was one of those first like prestige shows that were available to stream when mm-hmm. streaming started happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was on Netflix pretty early. And I famously tried to watch it twice. I watched the first episode twice, uh, like a year apart, and I did not think it was interesting at all. Uh, I tried a third time. I think it was maybe four or five years ago. And I finally on the third attempt got past the first episode. And I got to say that first season actually is kind of boring, but I did like the rest of the show. Oh, you made it. Hey, it took me three watches too. I think I tried (laughs) shortly after college and I was like, this is boring. I don't give a shit about these people or this what life. Um, (laughs) I think I may have watched like four episodes and then I tried it again after people were raving about it. And then I put it off till 2019. And at that point, I was in. I had a girlfriend at the time. It was like a good show to watch. And then it became. I'll, by the end of it, I was like, "Yeah, this is like the best show I've ever seen. I love it." But it was funny that meme came up recently. Someone on Twitter was like, "People tweet, people quote Mad Men all the time, like it was like a quotable or well-written show, but like nothing really ever happened of like worth remembering." And then someone subtweeted that with the meme of. I despise you. I don't think about you at all. <laughs> Just like, because and it was like perfect, you know, double meaning and the same time. Uh, yeah. It yeah. Cool. It's it kind of remarkable how interesting that show became like season two and on without ever really being like that high stakes or like plot twisty kind of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, well, that first season was just a little bit rough. Like I, I stuck with it because I knew it was supposed to be good. I think, and, they, but it's un like I don't understand how it got so interesting to yeah. watch. Well, like, I think it's just done so well that 
the little things start to take on so much importance to the audience, which in other shows you could be like, literally, I don't care. Like, oh, Betty's like bored at home. I literally don't care. Like, cool, <laughs> go get a job. Yeah, yeah the fifties sucked. That's why the six, early sixties sucked. That's why we we moved on and and progressed. You know, but it's the way they do it. You're just you're just feeling for every character, even when they're doing bad things. You know. Yeah, and John Hamm is just so fucking magnetic. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's such a good actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's I like talking about Mad Men more than I like talking about Arkansas. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I got another piece of miscellaneous mania here. Oh wow! Yeah. Just a little statistic that this episode of Adventure Time was a record setter for Cartoon Network as the longest running show. Whoa. Oh, wow. Uh, previously, this, so this was the 262nd episode. Previously, the record was set by regular show at 261. Let's go, regular show. So every show. episode of Adventure Time from this oh. ep onwards was the new record. Wow. Nice. That's cool. That's awesome. All right, should we pick an app for next time? Let's do what, it. What if we watched an, an What? What if we watched a regular show episode next time? <laughs> on our Adventure Time podcast. What if we did that? Uh, we could. Let's get a number okay. and see if it applies to regular show. Oh, wow. What are we going to watch next week? What are we going to watch? All right, we got 125, uh, which is... Are you looking up Adventure Time or Regular Show? (laughs) (laughs) So Season 5, Episode 5, Wall Buddy. Of which show is that? Adventure Time, I think. (laughs) No comment. Nope. 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 (laughs) That's a regular show at... (laughs) Because I looked it up Whoa. too. <laughs> wow, Sean, what do you what do you say? What if you came back next week and we did a a regular show detour? Whoa! <laughs> Come on, Nick, do it with me. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Is this a good idea or a bad idea? <laughs> Gonna watch regular show next week. Gonna watch we, regular show we have, next week. We have so many episodes of Adventure Time to get through that a detour doesn't make sense. But also, I'm not in a rush. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna watch <laughs> season five, episode five, Wall Buddy, a regular show. Do it. Strapping uh, strap because we may have just blown up the entire podcast right now. <laughs> this is written and storyboarded by Calvin Wong and Minty Lewis. Do you follow Minty Lewis? I like her a lot. Oh well, hey, it's it's really coming in, dude. So if we start doing this, all sorts of opportunities are starting to. Are starting to present themselves. <laughs> I will say this isn't even is this on, this is on the tree, I guess, right? Is anyone who worked on this work on Adventure Time? Uh, it, so it split off. So yeah. the, the the first show where the family tree starts is Flapjack. Okay, right. Uh, and then right. JG Quintel goes splits off of that to do this, and uh, Pendleton Ward splits off to do Adventure Time. Right. So they're they're related. 
Um, I gotta tell you the synthes the the theme song to regular show <laughs> taught me what a filter is on a synthesizer or like a cut the like a filter is in a cutoff you know the theme song of it goes show, yeah. <laughs> yeah no 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 and he, it's, it's clearly someone just taking the cutoff frequency of a filter up you know until it's over oh, it's so <laughs> <Yeah>. great <laughs> I cool. was I was gonna ask if if maybe we should do a gay episode next week, oh. seeing as it's Pride. But maybe we can think about what a good gay episode would be and do that the week after. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that's a good idea too. I have some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like if we do, if we do do regular show, that means that like we could do. Like, are we going to do Summer Camp Island or Steven Universe? Like, Nick, one of the first things you said when we started this podcast is, hey, we're not dogmatic. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, well. It's well, a podcast for humans and dogs, but we're not dogmatic, yeah. baby. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're going to do a regular show, and we'll see what happens. No rules, <laughs> just life. <laughs> Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. <laughs> Peace out, y'all. Bye. Bye.